0: If you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 18 and read down through verse 21. Today I want to just relate to you about how through the cross, Jesus Christ won total victory over the enemy. Through the cross, Jesus won complete and total victory over the enemy. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his uncomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I want you to stick with me for a moment. With all of the new technology that's going on today, you can watch sports. You can watch pretty much anything that you want to watch today. Okay? Between... I guess on television, there are certain cable things that have, is it TiVo? Where they can record a baseball game and watch it when you get back. They used to be do that years ago with, remember when the VCRs came out? You could actually set your VCR. I never did that, but you could set your VCR to come on at a particular time and it would record your show or your football game or your baseball game. Now, you can go on the internet. Our kids have iTunes. And they can go on the internet and they can buy particular baseball games, particular World Series games, or a particular football game, or a fight, or a hockey game. You can go and you can watch it almost at any time. When you think about that, I want you to imagine with me, if you go back to the final game of the World Series, 2008. The Phillies won the final game. Now, as we say that, you can root for the other team, but it won't change anything you can go back and watch the final game of the World Series of 2008, and you can get all stressed out about if the other team loads the bases. You can get all stressed out, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? The other team can hit a home run. And you can get all stressed and say, oh my goodness, the other team can take the lead. You can get all stressed and worried about it, but that's not going to change the outcome because it's already been established. It's already established what happened. Now, you can spend all of your time being stressed about it. You can be worried about it. While you can't change the outcome, imagine if having that information, you could choose which team you wanted to be on. Let's take this a little bit further. We don't gamble, but imagine if you had the knowledge of which team was going to win, You had the knowledge of which team was going to win. For sure, you had already seen it. It had been recorded, but they held off on televising it till later. And you could still go and put down your money on a particular team. Okay? Now, if you knew at the end which team was going to win, let's say it's the Steelers and the Eagles playing. And you know that the Eagles are going to lose, and so when you find out that the Eagles are going to lose, you still leave your money on that team. Wouldn't that be kind of dumb? Well, I want you to understand this. We're saying all of that to bring this point around. Jesus Christ has already defeated the enemy. He has completely humiliated him and made a public spectacle of him. What it comes down to now It's not whether who's going to win or who has won. It's already been established at the cross. Jesus has already won the victory. What the question is, is which team are you going to be a part of? Which team are you going to choose? Now, I'm telling you already, Jesus has already won. He's already seated at the right hand of the Father. What he says is going to happen is going to happen. But the question comes down. To which team are you going to choose? Which team are you going to be a part of? Now, when we say that, through the cross, Jesus totally defeated Satan. It's already done. It doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter how it feels. It doesn't matter how the odds may seem stacked against him or stacked against you. He has already won the only real question that we need to answer is which team are you going to be a part of? Satan's going to try to do everything that he can to get you off of the winning team. He's going to try to do everything he can in the midst of your life journey to cause you to begin to doubt and to mistrust the Lord. Question yourself. To question the things that you know to be true. Henry Blackby writes this, he says, "The Christian never works towards victory. he always works from victory. Listen to Colossians chapter two verse nine. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Paul prays it to believers would be able to comprehend all that God finished and provided in the cross by defeating death, hell, sin, and the grave. And overcoming, Jesus overcame every demonic force. He overcame, he triumphed over every demonic spirit, every host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Throughout Paul's epistles, what he wants for the people that he writes to and what God wants for us today is for us to fully appropriate Christ's victory in our own lives through his Spirit. All the victory over evil that God accomplished in the death and resurrection of his Son is fully available to you and me. We need to think about that. We need to ask ourselves, do we really believe that? Did Jesus really accomplish what the word of god says he accomplished did he really triumph over death hell and the grave did he really win the victory over demonic forces we have to wonder do we really believe that in our hearts is that something that we hear about or is that something that you actually truly believe i think it's something that we need to really take some time and ask ourselves lord is your word true did you really defeat the enemy? If you did defeat him, what is going on around about me? What's happening in my life? Blackbee writes again, when you come to the truth, you'll come face to face with the reality of what God has accomplished in Christ on the cross and in the resurrection. The cross and the resurrection brought about the complete, total defeat of evil in any and every form. Now, we have to ask ourselves, do we believe that? Did Jesus really do what he said? It's important for you to know that you are in Christ. You know, the scripture talks about that you are in Christ. You ever hear that term? We are in Christ. He's in us, but we are in him. As you are in Christ, you are victorious. A liar and deceiver, that's what the scripture says Satan is. And he wants us to get caught up in the idea that in ourselves that we have to battle against the demonic forces and the powers of hell. But Christ has already defeated them. He has already won the victory over them. The same Jesus that defeated them, the same Jesus that conquered over death, hell, and the grave, comes and lives and abides in you and me. You know, the scripture says, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you it shall quicken your mortal bodies if the same spirit that raised jesus from the dead dwells in you does that conversion that same spirit the spirit of christ comes and he lives and dwells in believers i want you to know this god knows that satan and every demonic power and every force of hell has already been defeated he knows that satan knows that he's been defeated The demons know, the angels know that Jesus Christ is victorious. The demonic powers of hell realize that. But unfortunately, many Christians, many believers fail to realize that truth. The enemy can do nothing without God's permission. He does not have unrestricted access to your life or to mine. But Satan is looking for people that he can deceive. He started that at the beginning. Whenever Satan dealt with Adam and Eve, what did he do to them? He deceived them. He lied to them. He misrepresented God to them. He wants them to question the things that God said to them. He wants them to question, can God be trusted? Remember, Satan tried to deceive Jesus in the wilderness. And friend, he's going to try to get you to leave the safety and security that you have by being in Christ And being under his authority. And when you step out, when you step out, see, here's the thing. When we step out from being in Christ, when we step out from the authority and obedience to Christ, it makes us vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. When we step out from under that covering and that authority that Christ has over us, that's why he wants you to question the goodness of the Lord. That's why he wants you to question, is God keeping something good from me? Do you ever notice that when people who know Christ walk away from him? Or someone who come to know Christ and there's something that they want that's hanging and they feel like, God's keeping something good from me. That's what Satan wants you to think. I have to have this. God's keeping something good from me. God just doesn't want me to have fun. There's some reason, why doesn't God want me to be happy? Why is God treating me this way? Surely he knows that I need this. And if Satan can deceive you into stepping out from the covering of Christ, if he can get you into areas of disobedience, then you become vulnerable to his attacks. Then he has a rightful ownership over you again. You see that? You've placed yourself under his authority. The sin shall not have dominion over you and I, is what the scripture says. But whenever we yield our members, when we yield ourselves to sin, when we yield ourselves to rebellion, when we yield ourselves to disobedience, then once again, what happens? Sin starts ruling over us. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not God's purpose. That's not God's plan for our lives. When people believe that God's keeping something good from them, When people begin to question God's grace and his love for them, when they're deceived by that, that's when they step out from under the authority of the covering. When that happens, it's like I said Sunday, with the people grumbling, the people grumbling in the desert. God, what did you do? Did you bring us out here to let us die? What are you doing? Why is all this happening to us? And they didn't recognize the fact that, god was taking care of them and god was providing for them but here's the thing every time they disobeyed then the consequences of their disobedience begin to show up and instead of recognizing that's because i sinned that's because of my rebellion that's because of my stepping out from under christ's covering and making myself a slave again to sin that they didn't recognize that they begin to blame that on god colossians says this colossians chapter 2 verse 13 when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. Having the canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having, listen to what the word says, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them by the cross. The picture that Paul gives is that of a victorious Roman general returning from battle. And what they did is they would march their chained, captured foes through the streets. And these once proud, arrogant men were seen defeated by everybody. They were mocked. That's how God dealt with sin. And with every power of darkness in the cross, you may not have been able to see it, but that's what took place in the spiritual realm. When Jesus triumphed over death, hell, and the grave on the cross, he took captive. He took captive. He made a public spectacle over them, triumphing over them. You glorify God. When you live out that truth on a daily basis in your life. When you live as if sin is defeated. When you live the truth of that Jesus overcame. When you live that out in your life. Your life brings glory to God. It doesn't bring glory to God. When you and I in our minds and in our hearts. Say oh man. I'm just a miserable sinner. I'm just barely making it by. It brings glory to God when you and I live out what his word says he did. That he triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. That he was victorious. And because he lives, you and I can live also. Because he's victorious, we are victorious. Please let's understand this. You are not victorious in your own wisdom. You're not victorious in your own willpower. You are not victorious in your own strength. You're not victorious because you study so much. You are victorious when you are in Christ. You see that? That the victory comes to you and I, we live that victory out as we abide in Christ, as we allow his life to flow through us. It's like you've got to stay in tune with the Spirit. You've got to stay in line with what the Spirit is doing. It's not you doing this in your flesh. It's like the Galatians. You remember Paul wrote to him and said, Oh, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Who's deceived you into thinking that you can start in the spirit, and this is paraphrasing, that you can start in the spirit and then try to finish what this work that I'm doing in your life in the flesh. By making up a bunch of rules and regulations and by keeping a bunch of ordinances, that's not what's going to do it. It's going to be the life of Christ flowing through you that enables you to live victoriously. He's the vine, we're the branches. When you abide in me, he says, You abide in me, and my words abide in you. And all of these things will take place when you abide in Christ. So our victory comes because I'm not leaving his team. I'm staying on your team. Now, Satan's going to come to you, and he's going to say, you're wasting your time. You're being foolish. When you refuse to leave his team, when you refuse to trust in anything else, when you, it looks like the other team's winning, so I'm going to go over on their team now. That's when you lose. Let me continue on here. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. Why don't you turn there? Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died? More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Notice what it says in verse 33. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on your side, does it matter who's against you? If God is fighting for you, and if God is working on your behalf, who can stand against him? Who can resist him? That's a powerful declaration and the answer is obvious It doesn't matter who's against us if god is for us It doesn't matter who's against you because he's victorious The cross I want you to hear this The cross says very loudly that god is for you If you wonder is god for me all you have to do is look at the cross It speaks louder than any other symbol or any other event throughout history that God is for you. You may have had your time when you had a prophecy over you. Or you may have had a time when somebody prayed for you. Or you may have had a time when there was a special gift of the Spirit moving in your life and it revealed to you that God was for you. But I want you to know that none of those can compare with the cross. The cross speaks louder than any event throughout history. And the cross says that I am for you. That's what God saying to the cross. I am for you. I am watching out for you. I am taking care of you. I am on your side. Listen to verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? If God did not withhold his own son on your behalf, if he was willing to give that, won't he also give you whatever else it is that you need? And yet, am I the only one who sometimes comes into that place where you wonder if God's going to come through? Well, I know he came through last time. I know he came through last time, but well, this is different this time. This is different this time. This is a harder situation. This is a more challenging situation. But Paul's saying, hey, he didn't withhold his own son. And if he gave his son, won't he graciously give you everything else that you have need of? Will he let you down? If he gave you that, won't he come through for you? And then listen to what else he writes here. Paul then goes on to explain that nothing in all of creation... Will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. It says who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Let him bring the charges against you. Let the enemy of your soul make his accusations against you. Any of you hear those sometimes at night? Any of those hear those you hear those accusations when you go to pray? Maybe whenever it's time to do ministry and help someone else or serve somebody else. But you say, well, who am I? Look at my life. Look at my situation. Look at my circumstance. Look at my past. Who can accuse you when Christ is your justifier? One of the things I tell my kids is that if you justify yourself, God can't justify you. That's something very important for us. Who do you want to be your justifier? The principle here is that if you're going to justify yourself, it's not going to work. Either God justifies you or you justify you. Who do you want? Sometimes we're dead wrong. There are times when we are completely and totally dead wrong. We're without excuse. And what do we do in those times? The fool tries to justify himself, the wise man, the righteous man humbles himself before God and says, you got me, God. You have me, Lord. I'm wrong. I submit myself to you. And if God is justifying us, who can fight against us? Who can resist that? Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he is also interceding for us. Maybe there's some things from your past Or things in your life that you just don't want. You don't like visiting those times. You don't want your family to hear some of the things of the old days. And at times, once again, the enemy would be accusing you. You know, that's Satan's job. The word says that he is the accuser of the brethren. But Jesus stands at the right hand. Satan's making accusations against you. But Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession for you. And here's what he's saying. They're saying, Tim. Satan's telling saying, Tim did this. But Tim. But Harley. But Andy. Andy did. And Jesus is saying, Father, but I did. I shed my blood for them. I paid the price for them. So who can condemn you? Who can make accusation against you when Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father interceding for you? And it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? Is that what it's going to take to separate you? Are you going to allow trouble and difficulties to separate you from the love of God? Or hardship? Or persecution? Or famine? or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered like sheep to be slaughtered. Listen to what Paul writes. Now, in all these things, before the word conquerors, what does it say? We are more than conquerors. Not just conquerors. Paul says we're more than conquerors through, through what? Through our willpower, through I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to do the right thing and I'm going to grit my teeth, through your righteousness, which according to scripture is his filthy rags. How are we more than conquerors? Through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors through what Jesus did upon the cross. This is almost like what Paul writes us, it's almost like saying, You know, I've seen a lot, and I've been through a lot, and I'm convinced, I believe it to the very core of my being, that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate us? Nothing. Blackbee writes, when God does something, he does it thoroughly, exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. The victory in the cross that he won for us over the evil spiritual forces is an overwhelming and everlasting victory. As a result, we're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. Live the victory that Christ has won for you and let the world see it being lived out in your life day by day. And you'll bring glory and honor to God. Closing, we're going to finish up. There's sometimes when it takes courage to let something ride. Retirement. Someday I would like to. I hope I can work for a long time but someday, I know that the church will need someone. I'll be at an age where I can't keep up, and I'll need someone who can. i made a mind a long time ago. I don't want to be in a position where a church has to keep me around because, like, uh, we kind of like the guy, but he's really not doing his job. So I'd like to be able to not have to work and take care of my family, but I'll still do ministry. But anyhow, we think about ministry in the future and retirement. Do You know when the stock market went down? Remember that a lot of your 401ks and your retirements and stuff when I started in ministry we'd put oh, for years and years we put $300 a year in retirement and that goes a long ways when you retire you know after like 15 years you got like $4,000 in your retirement it's it was eventful. Anyhow say the Lord's blessed me I'm thankful for that but when that started going down I got scared. And I said, man, it just keeps going down and going down. And I did something. I did something that I knew I shouldn't do. I pulled it out. You know, when I pulled it out, here's what I did. I changed it over. I changed it from an aggressive growth fund to a fixed fund. I hadn't really lost anything until I pulled it out. When I pulled it out, I settled my thing. Now, here's the problem. In the time since then, it's grown back up. But I lost because the pressure was on me. And I'm saying, oh, my goodness, this is going down. I'm putting money in, but it's not going up. This stinks. I don't like this. I knew I shouldn't do it. And yet I got scared. If I'd have wrote it out, it would have been fine. Now, let's relate that to spiritual things. There's a lot of people who you're on the winning team. And you know, if I'll just ride this out, it's going to be fine. But when the pressures come and the stress comes, inside we get a little antsy. We get a little anxious. And we're like, "What well, looks like I'm losing. It looks like this isn't good. And sometimes, I'm sure you've seen them, some of our friends they get off the team. They step out from under the covering of the Lord. They're going to handle it themselves. And then again and again, what does it lead to? It leads to loss and it leads to defeat. My prayer for you and my hope for you is that you'll remain steady even when the pressures are coming, Even when the stresses are coming. Even when you feel like you're being pushed beyond what you can bear. Even whenever you're saying, I'm doing the right thing and it's not paying off. Friend, I'm telling you, the word says that you are on the winning team. All you've got to do is stay in Christ. All you have to do is stay under his covering. That's harder than what it seems. But it's as simple as that. We stay in Christ. We stay under his covering. And he brings the victory to our lives. The bottom line is, no matter what happens in this life, no matter what we face... According to God's word, we are more than conquerors. We have more than enough. You may go through those dips. See, in the market thing, if you ride those dips, they go up and down. I'm not an expert on it at any stretch of the imagination, but you ride them, and there's times when you're down, times when you're up, but it works itself out, typically. And for us, we're assured of that, that if we'll stay on his team, don't grow weary. Don't lose heart. Don't faint. We're not coming from a place where we're defeated. If you stay in Christ, you are victorious. Either that or God's a liar. Either that or we've been wasting our time. You can't believe any of it. But if you're going to believe, man, we need to believe it, and we need to stick with it, and we need to trust in him and wait upon him and rely upon him and allow him to live his spirit and his life through us. We're not defeated people. We're not second-class citizens. You're going to see one day. You're going to to see one day, and the world's going to see one day who we really are. And all the world will know, all of eternity will know that we're more than conquerors through Christ. Father God, I thank you for our time together. I just thank you for my friends. And I ask you, Lord, today that you would bless them. I pray that you'd watch over them. I pray, God, that you would keep them in the very center of your care, in the very center of your will. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the cross. I thank you that you triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. You triumphed over sin. And when I stay in Christ, I triumph over sin. When I allow your life and your spirit to flow through me and to live out your life in me, it produces fruit, it produces righteousness, it produces victory. So Lord, I pray that you be glorified in everything that we say and do. I pray, God, that we would leave here Tonight, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Blessings to you.